At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. What's up, what's up, what's up, Buffalo Fanatics? It's your man, Rev. So glad to be here with you guys again for another edition of Rated Rev, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, Business Master Tax, and it's on nothing but the best network bringing you the best in Bills content. It is, baby, the BF Network. Let's go. So glad to be here with you guys again, man. Yo, I have got a special show for you guys today. It's not going to be a long one. It's going to be a quick recap, but we got to talk about some things that transpired in this game against the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know what, man? I I was I was very very critical of this Bills team. I was highly critical of them because the last few weeks they showed me something that I thought was dead. You know what I'm saying? Like I thought that those old Buffalo Bills were dead. Last year, I was extremely upset and frustrated about how the offense was going. I didn't like what Ken Dorsey was doing. And I thought, okay, you know what? First year OC, let's give him a pass. But man, I didn't really want to give him a pass. And I came into this year like, all right, let's just let's wipe things clean. Brand new slate. Let's enter the season. Let me get all in again with these Buffalo Bills, and let's see if I can trust Ken Dorsey in the offense. And, you know, for a while there, it started looking pretty good when we, when we, when we blew the brakes off of, you know, the Vegas Raiders and, and the Commanders and the Dolphins. Everything was looking good until we went across seas, baby. And we saw what happened from there. Back to back to back, terrible performances by the offense. And that was enough for me. I was done. I thought for sure that old offense was done. But they showed me something different that I didn't like. And it brought all of those old feelings back again about, oh, it's Ken Dorsey, the guy. What's up with Josh Allen? This offense, what's going on? It really brought me back to a place that I didn't want to go. And so going into this game against the Buccaneers, I didn't feel it. I was like, yo. Based upon what I've seen, especially when they lost against the New England, yo, they, these, these Bills lost against two of the worst teams in the NFL, the New England Patriots, for crying out loud. Put up 29 points on these boys, and they lost to Macaroni Jones and that offense with no weapons. I was done. And so if you asked me, 
if the Bills would win against the Buccaneers, I said, there is no way. If these, if this offense shows up like it has been, there's no way they're going to win. None. And I went on record as to say, the Bills will lose that game. I think the score was like 31-17. Because the defense was bad. And that's to no fault of their own, okay? And I, and I give them a pass because when you're missing starters at all three levels of the defense, Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, Tredavious White, it's hard to come back from that. I don't care who you try to input and put in there, the depth, whatever. It, you can't replace those guys. They're not just starters. Those are, are all pro perennial type of players. And so I had, I was like, you know what? The defense is not good. This team is going to have to rebound and, and, and really it's going to fall on the backs and the shoulders of the offense because I didn't trust the defense. And again, to no fault of their own, they're dealing with crazy injuries. So with that in mind, I was like, you know what? If this offense doesn't show up, the Bills are going to get beaten bad. I didn't like the matchup with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And heaven forbid they get, you know, their tight end matched up on Teron Johnson in the slot. We saw what happened the last couple of games. I didn't, I, I didn't feel good about it. I was like, the offense is going to have to score from here on out 30-plus points a game to give themselves a shot at winning because the defense is that depleted. Well, entering this game, boy, was I wrong because the defense looked like they were shot out of a cannon and came out on all cylinders and did the thing. They, I mean, kudos to the Bills' defense and the Sean McDermott for having these guys ready. They went out, and they shut these boys down for the majority of the game. Like, the offense could not, the, the offense of the Bucks could not get moving at all until late in the game. And I was very surprised. Mike Evans did absolutely nothing the entire game. Do we have ourselves a future lockdown cornerback in Christian Benford on the roster, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, because when you can do that to Mike Evans, Man, like you cannot overlook that. Christian Benford did a phenomenal job on Mike Evans. Shut him down until the very end. And so these guys, they did what they had to do. But then you flip the scripts of the offense. That's what really kind of, you know, turned my head a little bit. You know, like the dog who's kind of looking like, you know, they kind of like questioning some things. I was like, okay, this is the kind of offense that I was, expecting to see but i'm not all in just yet i need to see some things happening for a few weeks and we've got the cincinnati Bengals just down the street you know what i'm saying and so i need the bills to put up not just one performance against the bad team of the tampa bay buccaneers i need to see them put up multiple performances on offense to kind of get me back in there to let me know that everything was all right. But I did like what I saw from the Buffalo Bills, um, specifically on the offense too, man. When we look at what Josh Allen and these guys were able to do, it was a good game. It was a good showing until, of course, you know, the fourth quarter, which is, is kind of a, a heated topic when you look at what happened with what, with Sean McDermott and did these guys get real conservative in the end? And did they were they trying to win the game or were they trying not to lose? I was heated with a couple of 
decisions that Sean McDermott made towards the tail end of the game, specifically that fourth and two in the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes left. I wasn't, I, I didn't like it. I, I know a lot of people will look to the numbers and they'll look to the, you know, the advanced metrics and all that kind of stuff and say, well, you know what? It was a good decision by Sean McDermott. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all because in my opinion, say what you want, but in my opinion, I felt like the Buffalo Bills at that moment, they were stalling on offense. I felt like they needed to close the game out. They did not need to let these boys hang in the game. And why are you playing conservative with 10 minutes left in the game? That's my thing. Fourth and two, they were on the Bucks 42-yard line. So they were on the plus side, plus side of the 50. I thought all they needed to do, you got two yards a game. You've got a six foot five, 240 pound quarterback. You mean to tell me you can't draw up anything to get you two yards? Two yards is all you needed. You can't get two yards, and the offense has been doing good. You can't get two yards, Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott. I'm thinking, get the two yards, you can do it. And at the least, you score a field goal and you really ice the game. You, I mean, you put it out 27 to 10 would be the score at that moment in time. And then you can kind of, you know, get a little bit more conservative. That was my thinking. Sean McDermott obviously thought differently. And all it took was for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get back in the game. And, yeah, they ate up a lot of clock. But eventually what happened? It got down to the wire. I'm talking about it came down to a failed Hail Mary attempt that should not have even happened. And if Chris Godwin turned around and caught that ball, we all would be singing a different tune right now about how that game transpired. So, yeah, it worked. But you can't think that it's going to work in the future against much better teams and much better coach teams like the Bengals. And I've heard people say, well, Rev, Sean McDermott won't make that decision against the Bengals. He won't make that decision in the future. Okay, so what? So what are we doing? So now we're, we're coaching down to our opponent? Is that what you're telling me? So if we're coaching down to the opponent, well, it's no wonder the team plays down to their opponent. You know what I'm saying? So that's on coaching. The coach has to coach up. I don't care who they're playing. You play to win, and you play to – you got to be a killer in this game. Be a killer. Close the game out. Don't even think about it being a Hail Mary attempt. That's my idea, man. But, hey. Many people had different opinions of it. It's all good. I'm no professional. Who am I? I'm just some guy with a podcast. You know what I'm saying? But nevertheless, the Buffalo Bills won the game 24-18. I'm glad they're 5-3. and three. They're right there in the thick of it in the AFC East. All we need is some things to turn in our favor, and we're back at it. We're right back at it again. I'm looking at the game leaders. Josh Allen, 31 for 40, 324 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And that one interception, I don't really – you know, knock on him for tip pass. But I was looking very closely at the at the at the game stats when when uh when when Josh Allen had 40 attempts because typically, you know, when when he gets over 40, it's not good. It's not good in the Buffalo Bills' favor. So you want to keep those pass attempts down a little bit. But he was right at 40, 324 yards, two touchdowns. I'll take it all day, every day. James Cook. 14 carries, 67 yards. What I liked the most about how the offense operated was the fact that they spread the ball out and they used up-tempo. 
in that game. I absolutely loved it. Gabe Davis citing, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Boomer Bust. I've been highly critical on him as well. But if we can get that kind of production from Gabe on a week-to-week basis, this offense plays better. It, it operates better. Khalil Shakir, yo, where has his brother been? Six receptions, 92 yards. This guy's been here all year long. And now we finally see it. <laughs> Eight games into the year. And you're finally starting to use these guys. On, on, you know what? Say what you want. You know, but sometimes, and, and I'm trying to be very sensitive right here because I don't want to sound, you know, insensitive about Dawson Knox and what happened. But sometimes things need to happen to force you outside of your comfort zone. All season long and even into the offseason, we, we've been hearing about 12 personnel, 12 personnel, 12 personnel. The Bills are running heavy, two tight end sets. But is that what's best for this team going forward? Do the Bills need to be as heavy in the 12 personnel, especially when, when Dawson is back? Or have they found what works for them going forward with 11 personnel? You spread the ball out. We've got Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir. And then Dalton Kincaid, man, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it a little bit more. And let's talk about the future of the Buffalo Bills offense. But you know what? I can't, I don't really want to have this conversation by myself. I've got somebody that I'm going to bring on the show here a little bit later. Uh, but by and large, man, look, I absolutely, I absolutely love what I saw from the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely loved it. Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> he had a fantastic game. Fantastic game. Let me pull up his numbers. Let's pull up his numbers. Where is it at? Where is he? Dalton Kincaid, team stats, here it is. Uh, no, hold on. Player stats. Dalton Kincaid. Here he is. Five receptions, 65 yards, and one touchdown. Five receptions, 65 yards, one touchdown. Man, I'm telling you right now, there was a play that Kincaid made on, I think it was Levante David along the sideline that let me know this brother right here is tied in one. That toe-drag swag catch by Dalton Kincaid let me know everything I needed to know. Well, it didn't really let me know. It kind of it reconfirmed some of the things that I already knew going in. And especially what we heard about it, you know, coming out of Utah. We knew what this guy, what this brother was capable of doing. We knew it. But we just didn't see it because for whatever the reason was, Ken Dorsey did not utilize him. And in my opinion, in my opinion, I think Ken Dorsey was trying to, he was trying to appease Dawson Knox. That's just my opinion. I think he was trying to appease a vet who signed a contract. It was like, look, you don't have to worry about the rookie. He's not going to take away any snaps or any targets from you. You know, you're still tied in one on this team, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let me, let me prove it to you. 
But if 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 Kincaid is better, why are we even playing around? Why are we playing around? You say, Rev, man, you being a little too harsh on my man Dawson Knox. Am I really? Am I really? Let's look at the tail of the tape. Tail of the tape. Okay. I'm going to pull up some stats for you guys. And then I'm going to let you all make your own conclusion. But let's, first of all, take a look at Dawson Knox. And trust me, y'all, yo, I'm a Dawson Knox fan. I like Dawson, okay? I like what it brings to the table. So I'm not hating on him at all. But you just got to call a spade a spade. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is a big boy league. Let's look at Dawson Knox's stats. This year. This year alone, so far. Dawson Knox. Uh, where is it at? That's the game log. My bad. Let me find it again here. You guys forgive me. Here it is. Dawson Knox. So far this year. In seven games played. 28 targets. 15 receptions, 102 yards, 6.8 yards per reception, one touchdown, and a catch rate of 53.6%. Did you hear me? Let me say that again. Dawson Knox this year, seven games, 28 targets, 15 receptions, 102 yards receiving. 6.8 yards per reception, one touchdown, and a catch rate of 53.6%. Dawson Knox, ladies and gentlemen. Dalton Kincaid, on the other hand, let's take a look at him. Rookie. Seven games played. Dalton Kincaid, 34 targets, 30. Receptions, 258 yards receiving, 8.6 yards per reception, one touchdown, and a catch rate of 88.2%. Now, y'all come to your own conclusion, but they're virtually splitting the targets in half. Kincaid, 34 targets. Dawson Knox, 28. But what you see is a stark difference in catch rate. Dawson Knox is a shade over 50%. 53 this year. Whereas Dalton Kincaid is almost at 90%. Did y'all hear what I said? I'm, I'm talking about 90%, 88% catch rate from Kincaid on 34 targets. And this brother's got almost 260 yards receiving. Yards per reception. Knox, this year, 6.8. Kincaid, 8.6. Again, yeah, Michael G. Williams, he says, yo, 88%? Yes, 88%. 88%. I'm telling you right now. We heard about this coming out of Utah, that the brother does not drop passes. He doesn't. And the numbers don't lie. How do you have an 88% catch rate on 34 targets? 
How? The brothers got stick him for hands. You know what I'm saying? He don't care. He don't miss. And we saw that on that toe drag swag catch on the sideline. For a, for a rookie tight end to, first of all, that route was filthy. Did you see how he broke that route down? And I think when he saw Josh Allen scrambling, then boom, he, he, he took up the field right along the sideline, contorted his body, caught the ball, and had the wherewithal as he was going down to tap both of his feet right along the sideline. Boom, like that, baby. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, how many rookies? You don't really see rookie tight ends having that kind of awareness. That brother right there is fantastic. Fantastic. And in my opinion, and we see it on tape, he runs routes. He can run routes like no other for a tight end. Run circles around Knox and the route running capacity. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's, it's not even really close when you think about it. But at the end of the day, I mean, Dawson Knox does bring something to the table, and he's a much better blocker so far right now. And Dawson Knox has been clutch at times in his career with the Bills. But in my opinion, I think, yo, I think this dude, Kincaid, needs more targets. He needs more targets, man. He definitely needs more targets. And so I love what I'm seeing so far from Kincaid, and I think that we're only going to see more as the season progresses. We'll see what happens when Knox gets back from his injury, from, from wrist surgery. We'll see what happens. But I'm loving what I see from him. Khalil Shakir. I know a lot of conversation has been had about, yo, should the Buffalo Bills bring in another wide receiver? Should the Bills look to a more traditional slot receiver? You've got, you got uh, conversations about Hunter Renfro and Jerry Judy and, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera. Could it be that the answer, so to speak, or one of the answers is already on the roster in Khalil Shakir? It's just the fact that he hadn't been given much of an opportunity this year. Because to me, it seems like when the brother gets on the field and he gets a chance, he does pretty well. Now, you ask me, like, you know, could the Bills stand to have, you know, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, come on now. Like, it's hard to say no because it's like an embarrassment of riches and you just want more. You want to be greedy. You know what I'm saying? But if we can get this kind of production from, from, from Shakir on a week-to-week basis, yo, I think, I think we're going to be fine. And if we can get – Gabe Davis more involved like we like he was this past game in the short passing game. That released pressure from Allen having to force it into Diggs. And then eventually Diggs is gonna come, he's gonna come loose, he's gonna come free. This offense operates in a more efficient manner when the ball is spread around. And I like the weapons that we have right now so far on the on, on the squad. It's just a matter of whether or not Ken Dorsey will be consistent enough to utilize those weapons. And that's where I'm kind of like still going to pause. Even though I loved what I saw in that game, there's moments where Ken Dorsey kind of, 
he gets in his own head. He gets in his own way. Like when a thing works, he almost like the following week says, all right, let me try something else. Instead of doing what works best until a team can figure it out, he tries to, he tries to do something different too many times. And so that's my reluctance. Let's see what Ken Dorsey is able to do in the future. Is he able to continue to be consistent with what has worked? And so far right now, I know it's one game in, you know, against the Bucks, but this has worked. This formula works. And the no huddle works. I've been clamoring for this since, like, the day ball days. You know, we, we see it, right? The Bills are in need of a win. You know, it's it's the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, or maybe like the end of the first half, or get you know, get close to the end of the first half. Boom! Two minute offense comes on the field, and Josh Allen, the offense just starts to click in on that no hold off that no hold offense, and boom, they march all the way down the field, score. I'm like, yo, can we just like incorporate that into the offense? I'm not saying we need to do it all the time, but like, let's just incorporate it more because it seems to me that Josh functions better in that type of environment. No huddle. Get the ball out quickly. Let's get it going. Let's boom. Spread you out. Let's do it. I love that. I love that. And I hope to see more of it because it keeps defenses honest and it wears them out. They get tired. It's exactly what I want to see. Exactly what I want to see. But you know what I love seeing? I love seeing you guys. Shout out to you all, the chat, everybody who's joining me live. If you haven't already done so, smash that like, hit the subscribe button. Go to supportbf.com and follow us on all of our social media platforms. But let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. As the Bills go forward, there's a conversation that needs to be had. And the conversation that needs to be had is what should Ken Dorsey do? Well, not Ken Dorsey, Brandon Bean. What should Brandon Bean do? What should Brandon Bean do for the trade deadline? Should he be active at the trade deadline? And if so, what position should he target? As you guys drop your comments in the chat, I want to bring something up because this ties into the whole trade deadline scenario too. What's up with Kyrie Elam? What is up with Kyrie Elam? What are the Bills going to do with that situation? I mean, golly, do they have a mess on their hands. You draft, they, they, they drafted his brother in the first round. The first round. Two years ago. And... We see what he what he what he's like. Now, now you know what I'm saying a, a lot of people were were myself included upset at Sean McDermott for not getting him in, in, you know uh on the field last year. But now this year we're starting to see just exactly why he hadn't been on the field. This brother is inactive every single game unless injury calls <laughs> for his help. Which it did. But then he just can't seem to prove worthy enough to even earn to earn a game day jersey, 
let alone earn time on the field. And I knew the writing was on the wall when I looked at the game day inactive list from last game. And I saw Josh Norman activated this game in favor. And I, well, I mean, Josh Norman activated the game with Kyrie Elam on the bench again. That let me know everything I needed to know. If Kyrie Elam, former first-round draft pick, can't even outperform a 35-year-old cornerback off the street who just got elevated to the pra- from the practice squad, then this brother, his time in Buffalo may be shortened. It definitely may be short. That let me know, like, he, he, he's, he's gone, right? I mean, because there's no way you keep him on the roster after that. You've got 35-year-old Josh Norman that you just signed recently, and then he was on the practice squad, and you elevated Norman on the practice squad and set Kyrie Elam down. Didn't even get him a jersey. <laughs> yeah, he's out. He's gone. He's gone. And then, yeah, like Dirty Jerry says, yo, Norman didn't even play corner. He didn't play corner. He said maybe maybe they didn't want to, you know, send Edom on special teams and potentially get injured before the deadline. That could be it. And we saw Norman playing in special teams. And he had a heck of a hit. But, you know, for 35-year-old, I was like, yo, man, I, I, I did not expect that. And he brought some type of juice that we just don't see out of Kyrie Elam. And so perhaps, you know, perhaps, Dirty Jersey is right. The, the writing was on the wall. They already knew what they're doing with, with Kyrie Elam. They just didn't want to even risk the chance of him getting injured because they're already shopping the brother. And according to Joshua Richardson, comes in with a super chat. Josh, I appreciate it. He says, Rev, what up? There's reports that three teams already called the bills about Elam. How would you feel if we traded for D-Hop? He's only due $1.3 million. Yo, I did not hear... Uh, I have not heard reports about Kyrie Elam being shot by the Buffalo Bills. I haven't heard about it, but I would imagine I would imagine that to be true, right? I mean, there has to be some some truth to that. But if that's true, again, I said it earlier. Do the Bills need D Hop? If Kendorsi can continue to call games like he did against the Bucks and utilize these weapons with Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid and Khalil Shakir, then no, they don't necessarily need D-Hop, but let's just get all the weapons we can get. We see what the Eagles are doing. They just, I mean, let's come on now. I mean, right? The rich get richer. Let's just go ahead and do it. Add D-Hop to the squad. Figure it out. I don't care. You add him. You add, I mean, come on now. You add a guy. It's, it's clear that and and I'm not saying this, I mean, because, I mean, we look at the Bucks game and we see the defense, what they did. I mean, they held them to 18 points. Commendable, very commendable. But that's the Bucks, And we've got to look ahead at some of the more high-powered offenses that we're going to face, the Bengals. And, and then, uh, you know, I'm not trying to look over the Broncos, but come on now, right? But then you've got, like, teams like the Chargers and the Cowboys and the, and, and the Eagles, right? 
and then you've got the bye week, and you come back, and then you've got the Chiefs, and you know, so so we got the we got high powered offenses just on the horizon, and you have to think that it's going to be very difficult for the Bills' defense to sustain this type of performance, like like limiting teams to eighteen points. Like I'm not I'm not expecting that to happen. I really aren't. I'm, I'm trying to be very realistic here. So. If the defense is compromised, you have to rely on the offense. You have to say, yo, the offense is going to have to win shootouts. Just go, go, just go ahead, go in, in, in week to week with the mindset that the offense is going to have to win shootouts. So if that's the line of thinking, then get as many weapons as you can. And D-Hop is a weapon. You add D-Hop to this team right now for only $1.3 million in the year. And on top of that, the Bills did restructure and made some moves and made some room, cap room. So, hey, maybe they're doing this because they have an eye on somebody already. If it's D-Hop for 1.3, yeah, why not? You put D-Hop opposite of Stephon Diggs, and then you've got Gabe Davis, and then you – come on now. Like, yeah, why not? I definitely love it. I love I love that idea. But Kyrie Elam, yeah, he he's this brother, man, like he he's on his way out, right? I mean, I, th- I think we all can can agree. Kyrie Elam is not going to be a Buffalo Bill much longer. And so with the trade deadline just a few days ahead, I'm expecting something to happen. Do I anticipate the Bills getting a whole lot in return? No. No. I mean, what team is going to give up? a lot of capital for a guy who on tape has done absolutely nothing. I don't even care that the fact that he's a former first round draft pick, that doesn't mean anything. The guy has been garbage. Now maybe, you know, you can finesse the team, you know, who's a, who plays man coverage and, and, and sees the skill set of Kyrie Elam and says, you know what? This guy is just in the wrong system. He was just in the wrong scheme. If that's the case, then, Hey, I'm all for it. But it really goes back to, like, if, if what was Brandon Bean even thinking in the first point? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Like, this guy, I don't get it. It really questions that decision, doesn't it? Why did they even draft him in the first place? If they knew he wasn't a scheme fit, were they just thinking, like, oh, well, his skill set, you know, can translate and we can coach him? No, I mean, why do that? It's to me, I think that you know what? Hey, perhaps Brandon Bean got a little bit desperate in that draft. I think McDuffie was their guy, and and you know, the Chiefs snagged him. And so, I think Brandon Bean got a little desperate, saw the next best guy on, on you know, on the board, even though he wasn't a scheme fit. They said, you know what? Hey, let's just go ahead and do it anyway. I don't think McDermott liked it, but I think that Kyrie Elam was a was a hundred percent. The Brandon Bean pick. Because later on in that draft, I think Sean McDermott got his guy in Christian Benford. Scheme fit. And we know McDermott gets his guys late in, the, late in the draft. And what do you know? The best player was a McDermott guy. I think it's safe to say that when it comes to drafting cornerbacks, Brandon Bean needs to just go ahead and, and, and let Sean McDermott handle that. All right, just let's let him handle it. But 
Hopefully they're able to get something back in return from Kyrie Elam. I don't know. You know, I'm looking at at a at a tweet by by Rico. You guys go ahead and 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 check that out because he he put out a poll today, and he asked the question: With Kyrie Elam drawing interest from around the league, are the Bills giving up too soon on former first round cornerback Kyrie? Wyatt Taylor is a sore spot for some Bills fans, but does this feel different? And the poll questions are: Is it way too soon to give up on him? The coaches have seen enough. Wrong system for him or keep him just in case. And when you look at the poll so far, 58.7% of people who have who have voted, and it's almost 700 people so far, they agree that he's just in the wrong system. So if he's in the wrong system, hopefully other teams see the same thing, and that bumps up his value. That's what we can hope. We got to get as much as we can for Kyrie. I hate to say it, but it is what it is. Now, what does that do with the depth on the on the on the on the, on the roster? Yeah, I mean it, it it does. It hurts it. It is no doubt. But I mean, how much does it really hurt? You know, what I mean, because you just got a guy, you just got a guy, but he, he but he's not there. He's not even he's not even active on game days. So if the Bills get rid of Kyrie, I mean, we're looking at Dane Jackson, Christian Bidford, uh. Cam Lewis, Teron Johnson, right? But I'm talking about as far as outside cornerbacks, it's just Benford and Benford, Jackson, Cam Lewis. That's very thin. Josh Norman may get sprinkled in there. I don't know. It it seems like the Bills may have to find themselves another cornerback. But who? And at what price? Because think about, think about it from Brandon Bean's perspective. They still have Tredavious White. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Even though he's out for the year, do you think that Brandon Bean is going to be quick to give up on Trey? Or do you think he's going to give him a chance to come back healthy next year? So if... Brandon is is thinking, all right, let's get, I'm gonna give Trey another chance, another year to come back healthy, and they go out and get a guy like, let's just say, fan favorite Patrick Satan from the Broncos. That's a plug and play starter. And so you plug and play him this year opposite Christian Benford, but what about next year? What do you do next year when Tre Davis White is coming back from that Achilles? You're going to have a problem on your hands, right? And so I don't know 
what Brandon's thinking is. I don't know. I don't know what his thinking is on that one. But they may need to address the cornerback position. For me, let me give you my idea of who I think of what the of what I think the Bills need to do. And I put this out. I tweeted this out yesterday. I said, gun to my head. Gun to my head. What position do I want Brandon Bean to address the deadline? One tech defensive tackle. One tech defensive tackle. Now, I don't know who that could be. I don't know what teams are willing to part ways with, you know, a starting caliber one tech defensive tackle. But just for position's sake, and when you look at the defense, because this is where I think this is where I think um the the greater the greater need lies. The loss of Daquan Jones is more significant than I think many want to believe. In my opinion, I think that Daquan Jones was the MVP of the defense. And really, to go even a step further, the, 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 the key cog that really unlocked the NFL's best pass rush at that time before he got injured. I mean, think about it. Look at, look at what he did for the rest of the defensive line and look at what the defensive line is doing now. Before he got injured, and I know a lot of people will say Matt Milano, but and I love Milano, but when you look at the defensive line, what really made this defense in general so elite early in the year before the injuries took place was the fact that they led the league in, in, in sacks. They led the league in sacks. You had, you had Leonard Floyd leading with six and a half. Other guys, I mean, Ed Oliver was eating. Greg Rousseau was eating. And this is without Vaughn Miller. And it was all because Daquan Jones was one of the best and, 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 and top-rated interior defensive linemen in the National Football League, according to PFF. He, I think he was even one, tops in and passed our win rate from the defensive tackle position. This guy was blowing people up. Instant pressure from the interior defensive line. That opened things up for Ed Oliver. Opened things up for Greg Rousseau, for Leonard Floyd. That's why that pass rush was so elite. Is because you had a one tech who was elite in stopping the run, but also elite in getting past and in, in, in pass rush. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you lose that, and you try to replace it with the likes of Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Tuna Ford, we see the proof is the pudding. What has the defensive line looked like since Daquan Jones has been off the field? Where are the sacks? Where's the pass rush? I mean, for crying out loud, the Bills pass rush can't even can't even generate a pass rush on the on the New England Patriots, who are missing I don't know how many starts. It was bad, and so for me, and I know. We're looking at Von Miller coming back, but really Von Miller has he's not, I mean, he's he's on the field, but he's not really back. You know what I'm saying? Like, can we all agree with that? He's still working himself back, but he's really not even he's not back to himself. I'll say that. Okay. I highly respect the guy from a performance standpoint. 
He's not back to himself just yet. So when I look at it, I'm like, yo, find me a one tech defensive tackle because who can generate pass rush? Because if we can plug him in, then I think that that, that brings the Bills defense back to kind of almost where they were. More so than trying to add a linebacker, because if you add a linebacker, what is that going to do if, if the defensive line can't hold up? It starts in the trenches. It really does. Now, if you ask me who, I would tell you I have no clue. <laughs> okay? I'm just talking about just from a position of need. Position of need. That's what I'm looking at. But what do you guys think? Who should Brent Bean look to in the, you know, ahead of the trade deadline? Are you guys feeling one tech? Dirty Jersey says one tech would have the biggest impact. Exactly what I think. Let me see. I see. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to take a look at the chat here to see what you, you guys are, are talking about here. Um, as far as trade perspective, okay. I see Jalen Johnson. Okay, so Brock Campbell comes in and says, "Yo, Jalen Johnson from the Bears, plug and play, and much cheaper." Now I, lo- I like the addition of a cornerback. And who's to say the Bills can't do two? I mean, I don't know what the cap is going to look like as far as the players that they target. You know what I'm saying? But who's to say they they have to stop at just one guy? Maybe they can. Maybe they can finesse the team. Maybe maybe they can get two, and 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 fit them under the cap for the year. I don't know. I'm not a GM. I'm not a capologist. You know what I'm saying? I'm not any of that. Just saying that the Bills need to do something. What I don't want to happen is Brandon Bean to get content. Because this window, though it's still open with Josh Allen, you could agree that it may not be getting, it may not be closing, but indirectly it could be closing by virtue of other teams in the division getting better and the conference getting better as a whole. You know what I'm saying? So you almost have to go all in. While the window was open, that's kind of where that's that's where I am, and I don't want to get my hopes up because how often has Brandon Bean made a trade ahead of the trade deadline? Very, I don't even remember the last time he did it, honestly. So maybe this is the year he breaks tendency and goes out and and gets somebody on this team who can really get this Bills team over the hump. I'm not sure. You know, one thing I do I do like, though, um, going back to the defense, because, again, this defense is, I think, where the majority of the help needs to come from. I think we can manage offensively. The majority of the help needs to come from the defense because it's going to be a, excuse me, it's going to be a tough task to ask the offense to score thirty plus points a game. It's also a tough ask to expect the defense to shut down or to limit some of these high-powered offenses that are coming up under their circumstances that they are in right now. But there are some things that they can do schematically 
that may put them in a better position to succeed. Namely, when we look at what they did against the Bucks, how many of y'all saw that dime package from the Buffalo Bills that featured Jordan Poyer at linebacker and Taylor Rapp at safety with Micah Hyde? I loved that look. Now, I did think that throughout the course of the year they would incorporate it, but I think because of injury and then you look at you know who they have on the roster um, filling in for Matt Milano, they didn't really like it. Dorian Williams is doing okay. Then he got benched for Terrell Dotson for Tyrell Dotson, and we know what what Dotson is. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, all right, let's just scrap that and let's put Poyer there. I think that could be that could be very good for the Bills defense going forward because when you look at the offenses, these high-powered offenses. Let's just take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know it's it's you know it's early to really talk about the Bengals, but this is for for conversation's sake. And matchup sake, let's just have a conversation real quickly. When you look at the Bengals, who they who they deploy on offense. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Probably one of the three best wide receivers combinations in the National Football League. I think we all can agree with that. That poses a lot of problems for defenses. And when you look at how it, how they match up to us, I would say it's in, it's heavily in, in 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 favor of the Bengals. Christian Benford on on Jamar Chase, come on now. I mean, I wouldn't even pick Chadavis White on 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 Jamar Chase. He's just that elite. Then you got Dane Jackson, T. Higgins, Teron Johnson, Tyler Boyd. All right. But what happens when you add a tight end in there or you try to you try to match up? If you got Dotson in the game, he's not good in coverage. He's not. So why not use a safety in Jordan Poyer who's good in coverage, better coverage than a linebacker in Terrell Dotson? Put him in the box. Let him cover the underneath the tight ends and any other kind of matchups that they may try to try, try to try to you know uh, take advantage of. You've got a surefire cover guy in the linebacker position in, in Jordan Poyer, who by the way is also very good at being a box safety against the run. And then you still got Taylor Rapp in the back with Micah Hyde. I think that's going to bode better for the defense when it comes to playing these high-powered offenses that that feature two and three very good wide receivers. I mean, the Bucks with Mike Evans and and, and Chris Godwin, very good wide receivers, and it it boded well for the defense of the Buffalo Bills when they went to that dime package. I think that could be something the Bills should look to do more often. Of course, it could be, you know, dependent upon the matchups here. But when you look at the Bengals and you look at, you know, uh, even even the Broncos to a degree. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really sleeping because when you look at, I mean, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, you know, I mean, they, they have weapons. So, I mean, you just never know any given Sunday, right? The Eagles with A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith and, and Dallas Goddard. And then when we start going forward with the Chargers and, 
you know, so so we have some we have some offenses that can deploy two and three receivers deep that pose some problems. So I like the dime package is what I'm trying to say. That can be a way in which they can help the defense schematically. But they still, in my opinion, need to add somebody. Roy Collins says, Poirier's not a surefire cover guy. Well, I mean, who do you pick? Jordan Poirier or, or, or Dotson? Who's your pick? Who would you prefer in coverage? The safety or the linebacker who's meh at best? That's my point, Roy. Give me, give me, give me Poirier, especially underneath. I'm not talking about, you know what I'm saying? But, but underneath, I think Poirier can handle that. You put him on a tight end, I like him better than Dodson. Dodson going to get cooked all day, every day. So anyway, as we continue to talk about this trade deadline, I'm thinking one tech defensive tackle, but I don't really think that Brandon Bean is going to go in that direction. I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, I, I'm thinking if it's, if if he goes defense, it's probably going to be cornerback. Could you guys see that? It really feels like it's going to be a corner. But man, oh man, I am not feeling that defensive line, the interior of the defensive line specifically. Just at the defensive tackle position, I am not feeling it at all. At all. The pass rush is non-existent, guys. It's, it's non-existent. And so if we can't get to the pass, if we can't get to the passer, what's going to happen? It's going to it's going to require much more on the back end and coverage. So you're going to need a cornerback who can cover and cover better than you know maybe Dane Jackson or, or or Christian Benford. So I don't know. We'll see. It's a few days out, and we will see. <laughs> you know. Hattie says, yo, can we sign? Can we sign Sue? <laughs> He's old, man. He's old. He really is old. I don't know how much is left in the tank from for uh, Indomitian Sue. I really don't know. Texas Flood says, yo, it needs to be a cornerback. Trey may be done forever. Need a cornerback short and long term. Now, Texas Flood, you said something here. And you started the conversation that I don't think many Bills fans are ready to have. It's something that I've been thinking about. It's been in the back of my head. But out of respect for Trey, you know, I don't really want to bring up the conversation yet and get in depth about it. But it is something that needs to be thought about. The future of Tredavis White with the Buffalo Bills. Is he able to come back? Uh, you look here, I am. Hoping for his sake that he's able to come back. It's it's incredibly unfortunate for Trey. Looking at what he really had to do to come back from that ACL injury. And then to now have to go back in the rehab thing and 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 come back again, this time for an Achilles injury. It's it's gonna be a tough sled. It's gonna be tough sledding for him, no doubt. Now I hope he's able to do that and come back. But it's going to be tough, right? And so if he's not able to do that, you really have to think 
from a football perspective of what that's going to look like for the team going forward. You may need to just add some insurance just in case. You know, now to what degree Brandon Bean decides to do that, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not in that position. It's a tough position to, to be in, really. Because when you think about it, like I mentioned earlier, if you add a guy like Sertan, like that's you're, you're talking about plugging him in, starting boom, that's it. it, it it's, it'll work this year. And Sertan is a young guy, 23 years old. I think he's in the third year of his rookie contract, former first-round draft pick, so the Bills will have at least through his fifth-year option. So two years. So this year and then two more years. But what are you going to do with, with Benford next year? What are you going to do when Chwite comes back? I mean, what are you going to do? Somebody's going to have to go. You're going, you're going to sit. Trey? What if Trey comes back and he's healthy? Now you got Trey and Satan. What are you going to do with Benford? You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's, it's going to be a lot. It really is going to be a lot. But for this year, if we're just, you know, tunnel vision focused on this year alone, go for it. You know what I'm saying? And we'll just cross that bridge when we get there. You know what I'm saying? At least we're not having to really give up a lot in terms of a contract compensation because he's on a rookie deal. So that could be a thing. This is a good, this is a, this is a good, uh, Josh Richardson comes in. It's a good point. He says, yo, maybe move Benford to safety. I think the Bills tried that at one point early in his career. But, I mean, I don't really know, like, how realistic that, that was when at the time, I mean, you still had Mike, healthy Micah Hyde and, and, uh, and Jordan Porter. You know what I'm saying? So I don't necessarily think that that was a realistic thing for them, but they probably just probably like tested the water and they may have said, hmm, this could, be, this could work in the future. But right now, let's just play in the corner. I thought at that time that moving Benford to safety could – it reminded me of like, 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 you remember Aaron Williams from the Bills? From the Bills? Y'all remember that? Under Buddy Nix, they drafted him. I think he was a second round draft pick under Buddy Nix out of Texas, cornerback, right? And they played him at corner. Wasn't all that good at corner. They made the switch to safety, and he was very good for the Bills of safety. That's kind of how I see Benford going forward if they are, if they're able to add another cornerback. So let's say they add a Patrick Sutan. Okay, and Tr and Tr Davis White is able to come back. Maybe you can make the switch to to safety with Benford because Micah Hyde is not going to be on the roster much longer. Is this his last year? Let me let me take a look at Micah Hyde's contract. I had thought that um, I thought that they. Um, his contract and Jordan Poirier's contract uh, were like a year apart. So let me take a look at Michael Hyde's contract. I don't know if he's a if he's a free agent at the end of this year or if he's or if they have him on you know for another year. Let me see. I'm pulling it up, but you have to look at the future, right? So, yeah, and I I love Taylor Rapp to me. I think Brandon Bean needs to extend Taylor Rapp, bring him back next year. Then you got to figure that out. What you want to do after that? Uh, we'll see, man. It, it's it's going to be tough. It really is. 
it's a, it's a lot of decisions that need to be made. But okay, so looking at looking at spot track right now, it it seems it looks as though um Micah Hyde. Yo, I think he's a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Was well, as free agent 24. So, yeah, at the end of this year, he's a free agent. Well, there you go. You, you're going to have to do something with it at, the, at the safety position. You really are. And so if... If Christian Benford can make the move to safety, then I say go for it. I mean, I mean, why not, right? You have Taylor Rapp. To me, Taylor Rapp fits in that uh, that Jordan Poyer role. So, if he fits in the Jordan Poyer role, let me let me take a look at Jordan Poyer. I'm trying to see if Jordan Poyer is is a free agent after this year too. Sworn Poirier was a free agent at the end of this year, and then Micah Hyde had another year. But I guess I was wrong. So Poirier, no, so Poirier, so Poirier, no, Poirier is a free agent after this year. Poirier's gone after this year, right? This is weird. I think I think they can get rid of both of them at the end of the year. Needless to say, they're going to have to make some moves. And it's not DeMar Hamlin, okay? I think we can all agree it's not DeMar Hamlin. You know, no diss. But, yeah. Go ahead and and and, and extend Taylor Rapp. Figure this out. But that's, that's the future. We're talking about this year right now. What the Bills can do this year to win the Super Bowl. Because that's all, that's all, that's all that matters is this year right now. And as this trade deadline is getting closer and closer and closer, the Bills need to make some decisions. I don't think that they can sit back and be conservative and be content with what they have on the roster and think that this roster, as currently constructed, is going to be enough. The defense is already depleted. Depleted. Riddled with injuries. You have to add something to that defense. To give them life and hope. So I'm hoping that Brandon Bean addresses it. I really do. I really do. But ladies and gentlemen, before we head on out of here, I want to ask you guys one more question. One more question. Is Josh Allen back? Is Josh Allen back? How confident are you in Josh Allen and this offense going forward? Are we done with this whole Jekyll and Hyde thing? Are you fully confident that going forward, the Buffalo Bills offense with featuring Josh Allen is back to what they used to be and who they were when they were blowing teams out against the Raiders and the Commanders and the and 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 the Dolphins, or are you leery? What's your level of confidence right now? Do you think they're back? Are you kind of like, yeah, I need to see more? 
Or are you all in, baby? Are you all in? Let me know in the chat. Drop that in the chat. I'm seeing. I'm seeing people say, "Yo, absolutely, really." Call blunt. Unless you're unless you're responding to somebody else, he says, "Absolutely." Back, okay. Jeff King says, "No," <laughs> emphatically, "No." I love it, Jeff. I love it. Uh, let me see. Who else? Lord Bulbasaur says, no, not confident. Not confident at all. Joseph Riley says, 40% confident. All right, Joseph. That's weird. Oh, I mean, a little less than 50%. Not confident at all. Penny Andrews comes in and says, yo, yes. Fully confident. All right. Charlie Keel says, not really. Need better play calling and more running plays for Josh. William Collins says, I need more. I need more. You guys come on and drop it in the chat as we get ready to leave. Uh, matter of fact, let's drop this music, baby. Let's liven this thing up a little bit more. Okay, because I told you I wasn't going to be on here with you guys long. Let's drop the music in here. And as we get ready to conclude this show, let me know your level of confidence. And Josh Allen was awesome. Are you confident that Josh Allen is back? Are you not confident? Me personally, man, I really, I really want to be all in. I really do, man. I want to be there. I want to be right there and say, yo, the kid is back. The kid is back. But it's just so hard for me to get there because... Hey, they put out three games of just lackluster offense football. And I need to see more. That's where I am. I need to see more. I think the potential is there to be back. Consistently, I need to see more. I need to see more out of Ken Dorsey. I need to see him do what works. Don't get too far. Don't get in your head. Don't try to be too cute. Don't go into this game against the Bengals and just say, you know what? Forget what we did last game. We're going to try to run the rock and just run it all. Forget all that. Now, if the game dictates that, then you may need to, need to adjust. But 11 personnel is working right now. Let's just rock with it and go forward and let's do the thing until teams can stop it. So what's your level of concern or your level of confidence? Let me see here. Short plus terror squad says, yo, 11 personnel, seven and a half out of 10 and 12 personnel, four and a half out of 10. Yeah, I think they need, they, they're going to have to incorporate this 11 personnel a whole lot more. And it's, it's, it's going to be because of the fact that, that Dawson Knox is injured, right? And even when Quentin Morris gets back on the field, I think they still need to stick with the 11 personnel. I think that's where Josh excels more. Let, let that brother spread the ball out to his receive, to his weapons. He's got weapons. I mean, look at it. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, if they're able to get Gabe involved like they were last game, short pass and stop just running this brother, you know, as cl and clear out routes down the field. No, get the guy involved. 
wide receiver screens, you know, quick slants, outs, all that kind of stuff. Get the ball in his hands fast. Incorporate more Shakir in the slot. Utilize Dalton Kincaid. Utilize James Cook out of the backfield. You do that, and you use all of these weapons at your disposal. Stephon Diggs is going to get open. He's always open. But come on, man. You're spreading the ball out. I mean, I mean, come on. Think about it. Defenses in the secondary, they can't go that deep. They can't go that deep. So why are we condensing it and putting our weapons on the sideline instead of on the field where they need to be? I say spread the thing out. Let Josh cook. Let him do his thing. Let Josh get back in. And I think that is the recipe for success right now. I see Donald Duncan come in. He says, no, I'm not confident. He says, how can we have any confidence after the last three performances? When we dominate on all levels consistently, then we'll talk. That's where I am, Donald. That's where I am. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. You know what I'm saying? I need to see consistency. And not just against uh, inferior teams on paper. I need to see you with, I mean, I need, I need to see this consistency against superior teams too. The Bengals, even though they, they may be in a little bit of a funk, you don't think they're going to be up for this game? Now, in my opinion, this is redemption. Bills need to go out there and make a statement this game. A statement. Okay? But I need consistency. Consistency is the name of the game for me right now with this offense. William Collins says, yo, if you asked after the first half on Thursday, I probably would have said yes. But they went flat, and I think the same issues still need to be worked out. I agree with you, William. I think that's coaching. I really do. That's Sean McDermott, man. That's he. Uh, well, I already, already, already got on my soapbox about Sean McDermott. You already know how I feel about the situation. He can't, he can't do that. He can't be conservative. He really can't. And to me, in these crucial moments of the game, he just goes to being conservative. And it kind of it kind of lets me know that perhaps. The person that needed to be blamed for 13 seconds was not Leslie Frazier, but Sean McDermott. We'll see. Uh, Josh Richardson comes in and says, yo, we need a legit play caller because Ken Dorsey isn't it. Huh. He may be on to something, Josh. I don't know. He looked pretty good against the Bucks. I got to give it to him. Except for a couple of times in, in the red zone. I mean, not, not really in the red zone, but I mean, at the goal line. That shotgun, you know, near the goal line. Forget it, Ken. That that's that whole. You see what I'm saying? That's that. Well, I'm being too smart for my own good type of thing. Forget all that nonsense. Don't be dumb. Don't 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 do don't do that stuff. When you're in there and you're at the goal line, don't go shotgun, Ken. Go under center. You got a 6'5", 240 pound quarterback. Do something. And if you're trying to, you know, save his shoulder, be creative. You mean to tell me that Kincaid can't take the snap? You know what I'm saying? Latavius Mary can't take the snap from under center. You can't go wildcat. Anyway, that's what I need Ken Dorsey to improve upon right there. Those dumb buffoonery type calls. Other than that, for the most part, last, you know, against the Bucks, it was good. Jeff King says, yo, show me something against Cincy, Philly, Dallas, et cetera. A thousand percent. I need to see this type of consistency against those players, against those teams. 
But give me consistency until the bye week. Can we do that? Can we get consistency into the bye week? Or is that a tall, tough, a tall task? Is that too much to ask? We've got the Bengals coming up, followed by the Broncos. Then a rematch against the Jets at home. And then the Eagles. Can we get consistency on offense? Four games. Can we do that? We need to. <laughs> we need to. If the Bills can come out of this four-game stretch, three and one, then I might be back. I might be back, baby. And then, then I can say, all right, the Bills are back. But I'm with a lot of you guys, man, who say, you know what, we just need to see more. We need to see more. Penny Andrews says McDermott needs to hire a DC. He's got a DC. I mean, he does. He's got, he's got, he's got the coaches there that can do some of these things. I think can do. I mean, I think Sean McDermott could be spreading himself too thin by being involved in the offensive game plan now too. He already has to manage the game as a head coach. Then he's calling the plays on defense. He cannot. He can't get involved in the offensive game plan too. It's too much. It's too much for for any head coach to do. And he may feel like he has to do it because Ken Dorsey is doing some things that he doesn't really like or, or agree with. But he has coaches on offense that he needs to utilize. You got Mike Shula. You got Joe Brady. Let those guys handle it. Just make sure that the vision is clear and get out of there and focus elsewhere. But we'll see. We'll see. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it, man. That is going to do it for another show, another edition of Rated Rev. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and the Business Master Tax. Until next time, baby. Enjoy this Sunday off where you can watch games and have fun. See who are you going to be watching at? Who are you going to be looking at? What games are you going to be looking at? What game do you have your eyes on? You know we're going to be looking at some players and some teams to lose. But enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. The Buffalo Bills are right there. They're right there. They got it all under, under, under control. The ball is in their court. They have to take care of business going forward. They dug themselves into this hole, and only them, only they can dig themselves out of it. Will they do it? It's to be determined. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, let's do it. I'll see you again. Grace and peace. God bless. And as always, baby, smash that like on your way out of here. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so. Love y'all, and I mean that. Go. Bills. Let's get it.
This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.